Section 13 of Junior Classics, Volume 5, Stories That Never Grow Old. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Junior Classics, Volume 5, Stories That Never Grow Old, edited by William Patton, Section 13, The Fifth Voyage. All the troubles and calamities I had undergone could not cure me of my inclination to make new voyages. I, therefore, bought goods, departed with them for the best seaport, and there, that I might not be obliged to depend upon a captain, but have a ship at my own command, I remained till one was built on purpose, at my own charge. When the ship was ready, I went on board with my goods, but not having enough to load her, I agreed to take with me several merchants of different nations with their merchandise. We sailed with the first fair wind, and, after a long navigation, the first place we touched at was a desert island where we found an egg of a rock equal in size to that I formerly mentioned. There was a young rock in it, just ready to be hatched, and its beak had begun to break the egg. The merchants who landed with me broke the egg with hatchets and made a hole in it, pulled out the young rock piecemeal, and roasted it. I had in vain entreated them not to meddle with the egg. Scarcely had they finished their repast, when there appeared in the air at a considerable distance two great clouds. The captain of my ship, knowing by experience what that meant, said that they were the male and female parents of the rock and pressed us to re-embark with all speed to prevent the misfortune which he saw would otherwise befall us the two rocks approached with a frightful noise which they redoubled when they saw the egg broken and their young one gone they flew back in the direction they had come and disappeared for some time while we made all the sail we could to endeavor to prevent that which unhappily befell us they soon returned and we observed that each of them carried between its talons an enormous rock when they came directly over my ship they hovered and one of them let go his rock but by the dexterity of the steersman it missed us and fell into the sea the other so exactly hit the middle of the ship as to split it into pieces the mariners and passengers were all crushed to death or fell into the sea I myself was of the number of the latter, but as I came up again, I fortunately caught hold of a piece of the wreck, and, swimming, sometimes with one hand and sometimes with the other, but always holding fast to the plank, the wind and the tide favoring me, I came to an island and got safely ashore. I sat down upon the grass to recover myself from my fatigue, after which I went into the island to explore it. It seemed to be a delicious garden. I found trees everywhere, some of them bearing green and others ripe fruits, and streams of fresh, pure water. I ate of the fruits, which I found excellent, and drank of the water, which was very light and good. When I was a little advanced into the island, I saw an old man, who appeared very weak and infirm. He was sitting on the bank of a stream, and at first I took him to be one who had been shipwrecked like myself. I went toward him and saluted him, but he only slightly bowed his head. I asked him why he sat so still, but instead of answering me, he made a sign for me to take him upon my back 
and carry him over the brook. I believed him really to stand in need of my assistance, took him upon my back, and having carried him over, bade him get down, and for that end stooped, that which he might get off with ease. But instead of doing so, which I laugh at every time I think of it, the old man, who to me appeared quite decrepit, threw his legs nimbly around my neck. He sat astride upon my shoulders, and held my throat so tight that I thought he would have strangled me, and I fainted away. Notwithstanding my fainting, the ill-natured old fellow still kept his seat upon my neck. When I had recovered my breath, he thrust one of his feet against my side, and struck me so rudely with the other that he forced me to rise up against my will. Having arisen, he made me carry him under the trees, and forced me now and then to stop that he might gather and eat fruit. He never left his seat all day, and when I lay down to rest at night, he laid himself down with me, holding still fast about my neck. Every morning he pinched me to make me awake and afterward obliged me to get up and walk, and spurred me with his feet. One day I found several dry calabashes that had fallen from a tree. I took a large one, and after cleaning it, pressed into it some juice of grapes which abounded in the island. Having filled the calabash, I put it by in a convenient place, and going thither again some days after, I tasted it, and found the wine so good that it gave me new vigor, and so exhilarated my spirits that I began to sing and dance as I carried my burden. The old man, perceiving the effect this had upon me, and that I carried him with more ease than before, made me a sign to give him some of it. I handed him the calabash, and, the liquor pleasing his palate, he drank it off. There being a considerable quantity of it, he soon began to sing, and to move about from side to side in his seat upon my shoulders, and by degrees to loosen his legs from about me. Finding that he did not press me as before, I threw him upon the ground where he lay without motion. I then took up a great stone and slew him. I was extremely glad to be thus freed forever from this troublesome fellow. I now walked toward the beach, where I met the crew of a ship that had cast anchor to take in water. They were surprised to see me, but more so at hearing the particulars of my adventures. You fell, said they, into the hands of the old man of the sea, and are the first who ever escaped strangling by his malicious embraces. He never quitted those he had once made himself master of till he had destroyed them and he has made this island notorious by the number of men he has slain. They carried me with them to the captain, who received me with great kindness. He put out again to sea, and after some days' sail we arrived at the harbor of a great city, the houses of which overhung the sea. One of the merchants, who had taken me into his friendship, invited me to go along with him. He gave me a large sack, and having recommended me to some people of the town who used to gather coconuts, desired them to take me with them. Go, said he, follow them, and act as you see them do, but do not separate from them, otherwise you may endanger your life. Having thus spoken, he gave me provisions for the journey, and I went with them. We came to a thick forest of cocoa trees, very lofty, with trunks so smooth that it was not possible to climb to the branches that bore the fruit. When we entered the forest, we saw a great number of apes of several sizes, 
who fled as soon as they perceived us and climbed to the tops of the trees with amazing swiftness the merchants with whom i was gathered stones and threw them at the apes on the trees i did the same and the apes out of revenge threw coconuts at us so fast and with such gestures as sufficiently testified their anger and resentment we gathered up the coconuts and from time to time threw stones to provoke the apes so that by this stratagem we filled our bags with coconuts i thus gradually collected as many coconuts as produced me a considerable sum having laden our vessels with coconuts we set sail and passed by the islands where pepper grows in great plenty from thence we went to the isle of Kamare, where the best species of wood of aloes grows i exchanged my cocoa in those two islands for pepper and wood of aloes and went with other merchants a pearl fishing i hired divers who brought me up some that were very large and pure i embarked in a vessel that happily arrived at Basora and from thence i returned to baghdad where i realized vast sums from my pepper wood of aloes and pearls i gave the tenth of my gains in alms as i had done upon my return from my other voyages and rested from my fatigues sinbad here ordered one hundred sequins to be given to hindbad and requested him and the other guests to dine with him the next day to hear the account of his sixth voyage. End of section thirteen.